following talk is from St. Michael's Fowell, a gospel-centered community for Fowell, Teddington, and beyond. Our passion is to see every life following Jesus. For more information, visit our website, stmichaelsfowell.co.uk. Well, do pick up a Bible uh, somewhere near you and turn to page 78. So, as James mentioned earlier, we are in a series in the Ten Commandments. Uh, We're at Commandment 5, and uh, Lucy's going to come and read that. And also from a couple of other parts of Scripture, James is going to be taking us to. uh, I wouldn't bother turning to those pages uh, because they'll come thick and fast. Just hear uh, it as Lucy reads it. And then uh, all those readings will be on a handout, which will come your way as James comes up. So, uh, Lucy, over to you. Um, So yes, do turn um, to Exodus um, chapter 20, verse 12, which is found on page 78 um, of the Church Bibles. And we'll read that first, and then I'm also going to read to us um, from a couple of other passages um, as well. So Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. And then I'm going to read from Leviticus 19, verse 32, which says, Stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. And then from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 4, which says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Those who know me know that I really like a Christian writer called Kevin DeYoung. He's an American guy. You might not have heard of him. He's basically my favorite, and I read everything he's written. And... uh, I quite like once a week I try and listen to talks he gives in his church over in the States and uh, I just enjoy the way he puts things and he especially loves a theologian called John Calvin, a French theologian often in his sermons he'll quote John Calvin and once he was speaking in his church he said, do you know why I like John Calvin so much? Do you know why I've worked? The first time I had respect for John Calvin I remember really perking up as I was washing up in the kitchen thinking, this is going to be fascinating what is he going to say? What convinced him that John Calvin is a is a brilliant place to go, is a, is a brilliant theologian to read. And he said, because when I was young, my mum once said, oh, Calvin, we like him. I, I think in lots of ways, that just shows how much of an influence parents have over their kids. Believe me, I've got two little kids. I know it doesn't always feel like you've got influence over what they're doing or what they're saying or what they're feeling. But the reality is, parents have an enormous amount of influence. We've been going through the Ten Commandments uh, in uh, the evening service here at St. Michael's. It's been brilliant. It's a part of the Bible where Moses is about to enter the Promised Land with all of the Israelites, and the Ten Commandments are like a summary of all the rules that God gives to the nation. It says, this is how you're going to live. Now that I've rescued you and I love you, this is how you're going to live. And the Ten Commandments, in some ways they say a little bit, but they actually, on reflection, say an awful lot about how to live life. And Christians have always found them great inspiration for how it is that we live our lives. We're Ten Commandments, how God wants us to live. 
And if we look at uh, the passage, we can see, we can kind of, uh, on page 78, helpful to have that open, you can see that you can kind of split the Ten Commandments in half. You've got the first four, which pertain to things that we should do in relation to God. So, number one is, uh, have no other gods before me. Number two, don't make an image. Number three, don't misuse my name. Number four, keep my Sabbath day holy. Then six, seven, eight, nine, and ten are shorter and more simple. They sort of don't do this, don't do that. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't covet. And really, they are how we relate to other human beings. So the first four vertical, the last five kind of horizontal. And really, honoring our father and mother, lots of commentators have pointed out, is a kind of hinge in the middle. There's a sense in which when we relate properly to our father and our mother, we are relating to the authorities that God has put over us, And there's a sense in which we're loving those around us too. So it's a kind of hinge that helps us flop from one side to the other. Now, as we begin, as much because parents have lots of influence over us, uh, and if we're parents, we have influence over others, we are aware, aren't we, that this is a topic that is not always straightforward for people. We're all human beings. We're all sinful. And we have a habit of hurting those closest to us and also spotting the flaws in those we are closest to. And so there'll be lots of ways in which uh, we will find what God has to say in this passage difficult. Some of us have got brilliant relationships with our parents, which is a fantastic thing, a great gift. Others, slightly more complicated. And so we always want to ask for God's help when we look at his Bible. But I think especially tonight, let's do that. So why don't I say a quick word of prayer before we jump in. Father God, we thank you and praise you that what you want for us is for our good because you love us and want us to know you. Lord, for those of us who uh, might find bits of this tricky, we pray and ask you would be with us and show us how much you love us so that we can love you in return. Amen. Amen. Two very simple points tonight. The first one is this, honour your father and mother. That's just the first half of that sentence. Honour your father and mother. After all, we owe our parents a lot. We owe our parents a lot. Look at, if you look at the back of the handout, you've got loads of verses on there from the Bible. Well, one third one down, Proverbs 23, verse 22. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. That's something that they used to do in the Hebrews, is uh, they'd kind of make it rhyme, if you like, by having what's called a parallelism. You'd have the same idea repeated twice to really get it into our heads. So it's not saying you only need to listen to your father, only your father gave you life, and you're allowed to despise your father when he is old. It's not saying that, it's just saying with both parents, equally, listen to them, they give you life, and do not despise them when they're old. And we know that our parents give us life, they give us an awful lot, they sink the best years of their life into us. 16, 17, 18 years. Did you know that a newborn baby can use 3,000 nappies in their first year? Some parents are nodding, yeah, I do know that. They're they're not cheap, nappies. And do you know what the worst thing is? Sometimes you'll change a kid's nappy, your kid's nappy, and you'll put the nappy on and then immediately fill it. Like they're waiting for it. That's 50p, basically, in one go. That's just nappies. The amount of time and money and effort that parents sink into having kids, it's just worth 
kind of acknowledging that. We owe our parents an awful lot. And something crazy happened when I had kids, is all of a sudden, I started finding myself thinking things like, I can't believe my parents put up with this for me. <laughs> we, we owe our parents a lot. And let's face it, mums are brilliant, aren't they? There's a Spanish proverb, it's not on the sheet, because it's not in the Bible, so I couldn't write it down, but there's an old Spanish proverb that says, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. Isn't that great? <laughs> an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy, yeah. I don't know if in Spain, because they're particularly incompetent, but I think there's something in that. When, when you scrape your knee, you're not necessarily going to ring your vicar. Um, you're not your mum, instinctively. I guess it's different relationships for different moments. If you want someone to legalise your marriage, you need a clergy. But the point, I think, stands that actually uh, there's something brilliant about the biology of it. We've only got one mum. We've only got one dad. But it's not just everything they do for us practically. The Bible's quite clear that actually our parents are in what's a relationship of kind of authority over us. When we're young children, what our parents say goes, and we should do what they say. And actually, it's a place where we learn what it's like to live under authority, to love other people, and to kind of, in one sense, know our place. It's a place of learning. We can make all kinds of mistakes within that relationship that hopefully will train us for living in the wider world. Romans 13, you can see on the back of your sheet, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, says Paul, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that, estab- that exist have been established by God. He repeats it because he really wants us to hear it. And Actually, parents are part of this God-given order. People that we respect and honour their authority. And actually, the Bible's pretty hard on this. And says that if we have a problem with other people having authority over us, we will also have a problem with God. There are some people who do get to tell us what to do. Now, yes, the family, kind of nuclear family, is a place where we learn how to hear from people in authority and to love one another, but it's not the only place. And at this point, it's worth recognizing what the Ten Commandments are. In one sense, there's only a page of the Ten Commandments. They don't say all that much in one sense. But actually, they are kind of completely pregnant with meaning. There's all sorts of stuff in there that will just kind of spring out and unfold as we kind of read and reflect on them. And just as this commandment says, honor your father and your mother, so too does the whole kind of Bible law tell us that it's good to respect all those who are in authority over us and all those who are elders. This actually reflects all kinds of different relationships, relationships of honor. For instance, that verse that Lucy read to us from Leviticus 19 on the back, stand up in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God. I am the Lord. It is good to show respect to those who are older than us. So much so that God almost puts the two together, doesn't he? He says, respect the elderly and revere me. It's the same muscle, just operated in different directions. And here we are in a church family. The Bible says that groups of Christians are actually like families, just on a bigger scale. And when you become a Christian, you don't just gain a whole load of responsibilities. You get 
adopted and accepted into a family. And for me, this is one of the best things about being a Christian. So as soon as you become a Christian, you get millions of brothers and sisters. Little brothers and little sisters, older brothers, older sisters, and yes, even parents almost in the Lord. People to honor and to respect. And we're given that because it's, uh, it makes it personal straight away. When you read stuff like this, you immediately think of people that you know. And when you think about church family, it's not just abstract. There are so many people within our church family of completely different backgrounds, completely different stages to me, and I'm sure you have the same experience, that this church would be a lot poorer if they weren't here. A lot poorer. We add so much. We kind of belong to one another. And it's brilliant. I... At my old church, I used to go to a church up in the north, and there was a lad who got kind of adopted into a family who was a churchgoer. He kind of came, started coming to church, and in some ways overwhelming, suddenly gained kind of 500 brothers and sisters on on one day. Um, A different relationship. But the reality was that he was adopted not just to a family, but in a wider sense, to a church family. This particular guy, uh, he used to have tea quite often with the youth pastor. The youth pastor used to go around and have tea with the family. And he got really close to that person. And every week, this is quite cool, an older retired guy in the church would teach him woodwork. And it's been two hours. This young lad who'd got adopted, he loved going over to gyms and doing woodwork together. He just wouldn't get that outside of a church. It is a beautiful thing that church gives. And what does the Bible say? Is in the course of those relationships, we should honor our elders. Now, what does honor mean? It's slightly abstract term. What does it mean? It's tricky to know. Well, I wonder if we can think of it in three categories. We can honor our elders in thought and in word and in deed. Thought, word, and deed. First of all, when we think of our parents, are we kind of really cynical towards them? It's loads, it's loads easier to think of all the ways they're going to get screw up, all the things they're going to get wrong, you assume they've got the worst motivations ever. Or do you find yourself thinking kind of positively about them? To assuming the best about them until proven wrong. In words, how do we speak about our parents? If someone heard everything you had to say about your parents, would they assume that you loved them? Or in deeds, do we honour the things that our parents say to us? Do we live in a way that shows that they're important to us? I used to be a student worker. There was one question that guaranteed to make a 19-year-old shift guiltily. One thing you could put your finger on that would make them immediately feel like I got it wrong. And that question was, when was the last time you called your mother? Especially the blokes for some reason. Here's an interesting idea, and you know, in so many ways, we love dealing with kind of lofty, big ideas in church, and sometimes the things that uh, we kind of have to do are very complex and very difficult, but here's a way that this author, Kevin DeYoung, uh, I told you I liked him, this is his, what he has to say about how we could honor our parents. He said, the second thing you can say is, thank you, dad, or thank you, mum. I love it when my kids say that. They're pretty good at doing it. 
I know that teaching is a lot hard for some of us because our relationship with our mom and dad is hard or because they've long since passed away. But if you live with your mom and dad or still have them somewhere, it'd be good to give them a call and say, I just want to say thank you. I don't know if I've said it enough. We should honor our father and mother. And I think that word is really, really deliberate when it says honor. So it doesn't say obey your parents in absolutely everything. And I think the reason is that is to protect humanity because some of us, lots of us wonderfully have got great relationships with our parents. Some of us have got quite complicated relationships with our parents. The two reasons possibly it doesn't say obey. First of all is sometimes, often obeying our parents is completely in line with what God wants us to do. But sometimes, and on very, very rare occasions and in very, very rare instances, the things that parents want kids to do just conflict slightly with what the Lord wants them to do. When I used to work uh, at a church uh, I was talking about in the north, there are a couple of kids whose parents forbade them from coming to church. And these kids, in a really honorable, really kind way, just said to their parents, it's all right, I'm going to take myself. I'm going to go because I want to be a part of this church family. I did that honorably. But uh, that's one instance. The second thing is, I think when we say honor, it's helpful to recognize that our relationships with our parents just change over time. When we're three years old, (laughs) uh, honoring looks like obedience kind of all the time, if if, if possible. But it'd be weird for a mum to phone up their kind of 32-year-old son who lives in a different city and tells them what to wear in the morning. (laughs) Our relationship just slightly changes. But that doesn't alleviate the responsibility to always honor our parents. To always, as far as it's possible with us, show them by thought, word, and deed that we love them and we honor them. It's interesting, that verse from Proverbs before, isn't it? I think this really struck me. Let me read it again. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she's old. I think the way we treat our elderly says an awful lot about society. And it's just worth reflecting on that and how well we care for the elderly among us. Honour your father and mother. Now, why? Why does God say this? Well, he can say, because I said so. He is God. He's allowed to do that. And actually, he doesn't explain all the Ten Commandments. He just, some of them, you know, do not murder. He just says, don't do it. So why in this one does he give a promise He gives a reason. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is living you. Honor your parents so you live a long time. Now, I don't know exactly how this promise works, but let me suggest three reasons that it could be. First of all, is he saying that if you honor your father and mother, you kind of benefit from their wisdom? There is real wisdom. It's hard to admit this sometimes, especially when we're younger, in our teenage years, but our parents have wisdom. There is a wisdom that comes with age. We kind of have this kind of cult of youth in our society, don't we? You work so hard to stay as young as you can all of the time. But actually, there are good things about getting older. And one of them is wisdom, a life well-lived. And it's humble to listen and benefit from the wisdom of our parents. Is that what he's saying, that there's a wisdom of elders? Two, is he saying we'll live a long time because it kind of leads to a stability in 
society. That once relationships like that are kind of in order, then society just generally flourishes. And we know that that is true. Imagine a world where all kinds of brilliant, perfect parents are honoured by kids who know that they're loved. And it'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? This is Jen Wilkin speaking on this. She's a, a theologian over in the States. Good parents make earth look and function a bit more like heaven. Isn't that good? Good parents make earth look and function a bit more like heaven. It's a brilliant truth that society becomes a lot more stable uh, when uh, we honour our parents. But thirdly, is it that God is saying that he will actively bless the Israelites if they do this for him? Well, I, I think that very real possibility. Is it that God is saying, look, I am your father, it is good to bless fathers and mothers And I will love and honour you. I will help you live a long time if you do this. Maybe it's a recognition that it's not always the easiest commandment to do. And so it's giving a kind of extra motivation. Well, I wonder if it's all three of those things. That God often works through natural means. And he set the world up in such a way that if we go with the grain of how he set things up, we'll flourish. And things will go well for us. Pretty generally, if we honour our father and mother, we will live long and prosperous lives. So the Bible says, do it. Honour your father and mother. In some ways, not very intellectually taxing, but it's pretty challenging stuff. We should do it. Knowing that we are forgiven and that we'll get stuff wrong. That's Christianity. Knowing that the Holy Spirit is living within us to help us love and honour our parents. Knowing that he will empower all the things that we think are too tricky to do. We should honour our father and our mother. Wouldn't it be brilliant if this was a church where people knew that older folk were not sidelined but honoured, given a space of kind of special honour. We worked really hard to welcome them here. Wouldn't it be brilliant if our families were known as places where we honour and love one another? But before we close, it's worth talking about Jesus. Do we often talk about Jesus when we get to church? Because Jesus is an example of someone who perfectly honoured his father. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to page 1068. It's John chapter 5. John chapter 5, page 1068. Here is Jesus perfectly honouring his father. I don't know if anyone's ever said to you, Jesus never said he was God. Has anyone ever said that to you? Jesus never explicitly said he was God. Well, here he is explicitly saying that he was God from verse 16. Because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defence, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So he's saying, look, God is my father in a very special way. He's, he's not taking a day off today, so I won't either. And they're like, I think he's saying he's God. And that made them very cross. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And then just look at how he describes his, frankly, beautiful relationship between God the Son, Jesus Christ, 
and God his heavenly Father. Verse 19, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to those who is pleased to give it. Three things Jesus is saying about the relationship. First of all, Jesus is the Son, and he is completely dependent on what he sees his Father doing. He's like the neediest person in the world. Almost kind of metaphorically following his Father around and doing whatever it is his Father does, because he loves and honours his Father. Secondly, he's saying that the Father shows the Son everything. He shows him whatever to do. He shares everything intimately with the Son in love. And thirdly, Jesus honours his Father by being in the family business. It is God's prerogative to raise people from the dead, to give life to things that are dead, to create where there is nothing. And Jesus is going to do Exactly those things. Verse 21, just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Everything that God does, Jesus does. And this is what Christians call the gospel, that Jesus gives life, gives eternal life to anyone who would come to him. To all those who say, I need you, Jesus. I want you over my life. He shares his life with others. Do we see how Jesus perfectly fulfills this commandment? See, he completely and perfectly honours his Father so that there'll be long life with him. But what does he do with that life? He shares it with you and I and all those who come to him. In other words, we benefit from eternal life because of his perfect relationship with the Father. Christianity is brilliant, isn't it? And we see this most of all, the Bible says, in the Garden of Gethsemane. The night before Jesus died, he was praying in a garden, and he's about to go to the cross, the place where the sin of you and I will be put on his shoulders. God's anger will be poured on that sin, and he would die, being prepared to raise again from the dead and give his life to all kinds of people, but he doesn't want to do it. And he says, Father, if you're willing, I'd rather not take this cup away from me, but not my will but yours be done. Even at the point of agony and death, Jesus honours his Father above. Jesus is the perfect example. And because he shares his life with us, we too can honour our Father and our Mother. Now, this all kind of be great to work out how exactly do we land this how do we land this in our own lives well if we look at the back of the handout on Ephesians chapter 6 Paul kind of quotes this and gives us two particular things to do children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right honour your father and mother which is the first commandment of the promise so it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth fathers do not exasperate your children instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord we've already talked about the need for us just to do this commandment and to honour our elders and our father and our mother. So let's not dwell any more on that. Instead, whenever I was thinking about this, I don't know about those of us here who are elders or who are parents, but you're left with this overwhelming sense of responsibility, aren't you? When it keeps saying, honour your father and mother, 
think, well, in that case, I better be honorable. I better be worthy of respect. I better live a life of integrity to make that as easy as possible for my kids and for those in my church and for those to whom I relate. It's interesting that Paul gives one very, very practical pointer on that, doesn't he? Fathers, don't exasperate your children. (laughs) I think that's so pertinent. It's so easy, just with arbitrary rules or with my flip-flopping mood, to just exasperate my kids or to those I relate with. Don't do that. He says, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. If there is one thing we can do, then we can do, in the words of St. Simon of Pedley this morning, (laughs) that let's give our kids reason to love the Lord. Let's give our kids reason to love the Lord. I would love it if, as a church family, we all felt responsibility for our kind of kids and our young people to pray for them, to be godly examples to them, to want to get to know them, and to cheer them on as they do this thing called life. I'd also love it if we as a church family knew that kind of committing to one another, teaching our kids that kind of belonging to a church is a brilliant thing, I'd love it if that was a priority for all of us. Honour your father and mother, says God, so that you might live a long life in the land that the Lord your God gives you. Why don't we pray? Father, we give you great thanks and praise that you don't just give us rules, but you gave us your son, Jesus, who had a perfect example of a relationship with you. Help us to follow his example, to honour our parents and our elders and all those in our church family. Thank you so much that you share your life and your love with us. Amen.